Good morning. Good to have you in the Lord's house this morning. Um, our, our music leader, Brother John, and about 15 other of our folks are on the missions trip down in Arizona at the Navajo uh, reservation there working with the churches. And they're going to be flying back throughout this afternoon and night. So pray for them. I did not go because after last Sunday, I totally lost my voice. Then Monday morning, I got really sick and I was sick all week. Staying away from everybody this morning, but I'm going to preach and then I'm going to slip out. And so I just got a bad cold, I guess. It kind of hit me just like that. But let's open up with a word of prayer and we're just going to worship the Lord. Thank you so much for coming and being in God's house this morning. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you for your many, many blessings to us. Pray that you'd be with our group of folks who are working down on the Navajo Reservation. Pray that you'd be with them this morning as they're going to be singing songs in Navajo. They're going to be ministering in the word. Pray that you'd encourage them and strengthen them and empower them. We do pray that you'd be with our church family as many people have been traveling uh, with this Easter break this week. Pray that you'd bring them back home to their community and help us this morning as we worship you to honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you very much, Elizabeth. I'd like you to take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Philemon, if you would, please. Before services this morning, I had Brother Rick go by and um, get some volunteers that would read some passages this morning that are going to be part of my message. As you, if you were here last Sunday, you know I completely lost my voice during services, and I really thought it was allergies or something, but it turned out to be a hard cold that kind of hit me through this week. I'm at the end of it now, but I am wanting to kind of save my voice through the message. So I've got about, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven folks who have volunteered to stand up and read a text. You were given a little post-it, and when I, re when I ask for that text, just stand up and read the text. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Philemon chapter 1, verses 4 through 6 is where we are this morning. title of the message is Striving Toward Effectual Faith. The word effectual meaning effective or powerful faith. When you look here in Philemon, you find that it uses that exact word. So listen as I read to you verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 down through 6. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints, that the communication of thy faith, and that word communication means the living forth of, so the living of thy faith may become effectual, effective or powerful by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. When we look at these verses, verses 4 through 6, what you find is the Apostle Paul, as God inspires him to pen these words, he's talking to the church, he's talking to the believers about them in their faith and their faith growing and maturing and becoming stronger. And woven through these words are some points for you and I to draw out to understand how we individually can see our faith, our walk with God grow. And that should be an important part of our lives. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Savior whether you were a child or throughout your life, at some point, somebody showed you the gospel, shared with you the truth of receiving Christ and being born again, and you became a child of God. But you don't stay a babe in Christ. Instead, you strive to grow in your faith, that you might become effective or effectual in your faith. There are three things I want you to see in this text. One I want you to see is that prayer for one another helps us grow. Also, practicing our love and faith, the practice of it, helps us grow. We understand that. We see that all the time in every part of life, don't we? If, if you do something repetitively, if you practice it, you improve at it. And the third one I'm going to show you is acknowledging or being thankful for the things in your life help you grow in your faith and as a person. As we start off here in verse 4, I want you to note he says, I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. This is a common opening for the Apostle Paul concerning his practice of praying for his fellow believers. 
And in that, we learn that we ourselves should be people who are praying for other people. This morning, as I started my day, I've told you many, many times that when I start my day, when I wake up in the morning, before I ever roll over in bed, when I come to consciousness, I start talking to the Lord. And I just say, Lord, be with me today. Help me guide my path. And I pray for certain things that are at the top of my mind. This morning, I prayed for Ukraine. I prayed for the people there. I prayed for persecuted Christians around the world. I prayed for patience uh, as she's in the hospital in Burlington. And I prayed for Marty, who's getting ready, one of the ladies in our church, getting ready for a surgical biopsy. All those things I pray for as God brings them to my mind as I start the day. Here you find the Apostle Paul. He is starting out his letter with a reminder that he prays for his fellow believers. And I'm going to show you how he sets a pattern to do that. And I have seven folks who have volunteered to read for us a verse. If I could get Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. 1 Corinthians 1, 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 1.16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Philippians 1.3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. 1 Thessalonians 1.2. We give thanks to God always for you and all, making mention of you in our prayers. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith grow exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you fall toward each other about it. In 2 Timothy 1.3 I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. That without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee and my prayers night and day. And we see in our text, here in Philemon, verse 4, it says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. So you find the Apostle Paul reminding us in book after book after book, how that he prays for his brothers and sisters in Christ. You and I. If we want to grow in our faith, we need to pray for others. If we're not careful, we can become very centrally focused, focused on ourselves, on our little circle, our little world. And we need to broaden that, that God might stir our hearts concerning the needs of others. In fact, when you look at the mention that he does in book after book of praying for others, we see that they're simple prayers. He asks that uh, God would be with them in the different things they're facing in their lives. He mentions over and over again how that he thanks God for their faith and their walk in Christ. In fact, you and I, I, I jotted down a little thought. I said, if we are not thankful enough to verbalize our thanks, we are not thankful enough. There should be times in our lives, whether in prayer or to others, 
when we simply take the time to say thank you. And you may say to yourself, well, I am thankful. But if you can't take the time to simply look at the people you're thankful for or the God you're thankful to, if you can't verbalize that, then you're not thankful enough. You find the apostle over and over again saying, I am thankful. And I mentioned to God my thankfulness for you. All through our church, throughout our congregation, are folks who make a difference in our lives. And we should remind God we're thankful. Right now, as you and I are worshiping in here, down in the nursery is somebody working with boys and girls. And we should be thankful. Down in, in primary church, the littlest kids, somebody's working with those boys and girls. Junior church, right now in our church, there, there's a young couple down there. They were getting all their things ready and they're teaching boys and girls down in junior church right now. We should be thankful. Amen. Right now, over in our sound booth, people are working to make sure that we're live streaming our service and you can hear things well. We should be thankful. It's part of growing as an individual to learn to be thankful and to express thanksgiving. When you know here, <clears throat> the apostle, he says in Philemon verse 4 there, I thank my God making mention of the always in my prayers. That word always reminds us it's not just once in a while. If we're not careful, it can become a rare thing that we say thank you. It should be a common thing for us to say thank you. In our household, when we sit down to eat, we give thanks. Sometimes we hold hands, sometimes we don't. That's not the important part. The important part is to give thanks. To give thanks always for God's blessing in our lives. I told you there's three things we're going to learn in here. First one is that you and I need to learn to be prayerful and thankful for one another as we see in verse 4. Look with me at verse 5. Second thing I'm going to show you. He says, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints. He, he, the Apostle Paul, he's referencing Philemon. He says to him, I have heard about your love and your faith. I've heard about the way you practice your love and your faith. And I ask you, in your Christian walk, how is it that people hear about your love and faith? Do they hear positive things or do they hear negative things? When your family, your friends talk about your personal faith, is it genuine? Is it real? Is it practiced in such a way that it defines God's love in and through you? It defines biblical faith? That's what the apostle's talking about in verse 5. He says, I thank God always for you, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints. It's interesting that he qualifies that in that. He says, I want you to understand that when I hear about your faith and your love, not only is it a faith towards God and a love towards God, but it's also a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. The scriptures define for us what love is. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
in your New Testament. And I'm going to read to you very quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 down through 8. And here I want you to listen to the definition of love as given to us in the scriptures. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Love never fails. When you listen to that biblical definition and the work of love, you understand that you and I in our Christian walk, if we practice that kind of love, it's infectious, isn't it? If we can be that kind of person who expresses God's love in our heart and in our lives, it touches others. In fact, God is the greatest example of that as could possibly be found. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says, Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So not only does the Bible define for us love, but it points to the example of, of love. And we might say to ourselves, well, true love is my love for God. And he says, no, not your love for God. The, the prime example of love is God's love for you who sent his only begotten son. Why? So that he might pay the price and balance the scales between you and God, forgiving your sins that you might have eternal life through the sacrifice of his son. He says that, that sacrifice is true love. You and I in our lives, sometimes if we're not careful, we buy into the world's mentality of love. And that is to get, to desire, to satisfy. And that's not at all God's definition or practice of love. The true practice of love is to give. That's God's example of it. And when we look at the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8... True love is the act of giving of oneself to somebody or to the Lord himself. So when we start talk about you and I growing in our faith and in our love towards God and one another, we look to the scriptures for the definition and the application or example of that. But faith itself, when you look at verse 5 there, he says, hearing of thy love and faith. So it wasn't just Philemon's love that helped him grow to become effectual, to become effective and strong. It wasn't just his love, but his faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 defines faith for us. It says it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's so important to us. Because if we're not careful... We only believe what we can see. But you know, there's, there's a saying there, isn't, isn't there, about not believing those things that our lying eyes sees. Because the reality is sometimes what we see is truly not true. 
Every once in a while, I like to watch on TV, they have um, these magician things where the magicians try to trick the magicians. And you see them do things. I, I see them do things on this, and I think to myself, I have no idea how they did that. If, if anybody trusted me to explain it, it would be absolutely hopeless. Because I can't see how... What I saw was not what really happened. But God says to us, faith is not about what we see. He says, actually, it's what we don't see that we put our faith and trust in. Um, years and years ago, Harmon took me sailing out on Lake Champlain. We had a great time, went out there with my little son, Josh. Those winds picked up so fast on Lake Champlain. You ever been out there? And then also, Mr. Huff took me sailing out on Lake Champlain a few years ago. John and I went out, went sailing on the lake. We put those sails up. And do you know we entrusted entirely that something we could not see would motivate us down the lake. I couldn't see the wind, especially when you get out on the lake. The only evidence of the wind is a little bit of lapping going on the water or the day Harmon and I went when there were true waves coming up. But the reality is you can't see the wind, can you? But yet we put our sails up and we trust that wind will drive us across or down or up the lake or across the seas. God reminds us there are things we cannot see that we trust in and believe in and have faith in every day of our lives. So when somebody says to me, I would believe in God if I could just see him. Well, the evidence of God is everywhere, but we don't see him. By faith, we rest and trust and believe in him. I've heard lots of people say, well, if he would just give me a sign. God's given us many signs. Certainly throughout my life, I've seen God's hand at work in many people's lives. I remember when Kathy got cancer and we as a church prayed for her. And you know what? When I see Kathy sitting here all these years later, I see the hand of God at work in her heart and in her life. Nancy Colby right there, I remember when she got bladder cancer. And we as a church prayed for her. And you know what? All these years later, there's Nancy still taunting Dick right there beside her. <laughs> Listen, God's hand is at work all around us. Now, if we, ignore this, if we ignore it, if we don't want to see it, that's our choice. But the reality is... The invisible hand of God works all the time. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says to us, The substance of things hoped for is the evidence of things not seen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 repeats the same thing to us in a little different way. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You and I, even as Philemon, we want to grow in our love and we want to grow in our faith. And the way we do that is by practicing both. 1 John 4.19 says, We love him 
because he first loved us. You see, we exercise our faith. God loved us so much, he sent his only begotten son. We receive his son as our savior. And by that relationship, we grow in our faith as he works in us and through us. We mature in our faith. You and I, we have to strive towards deciding, yes, I want to have a more effectual faith. I want to have a more effectual love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Then we must target and exercise that application in our lives. The third thing I wanted you to see with me this morning, as we talk about Philemon and his relationship with God, as the Apostle Paul writes about it, is in verse 6. He says that the commandment of thy faith, the communication of thy faith, may become effectual or effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He tells Philemon, he says, I pray for you and I give thanks for you because you have learned to communicate, to practice, to live, to express a gratitude, a practice of all the good things in your life being from God. And it is important for us to step back and to look at the things in our life and understand that God enables us, he blesses us, he provides for us those good things in our life. In fact, I'd like you to look with me if you would. One book ahead of Philemon, small book, Titus. Titus often, many times through the book, talks about the good works that should be a part of who we are. And you and I, in order to be effective or effectual in our faith and our love for others, need to take those good works, those things that we practice that are the good things from God, and we need to apply those in our lives. Listen to what he says in Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 7. He says, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, which is truth, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. This is such a great verse for you and I living in the year 2022. He's challenging us to go ahead and Take and show in our lives a pattern of good works. Maybe you have children or grandchildren, or maybe you yourself are very involved in sports today. And many, many people are. So those coaches, they go ahead and they watch those kids and they watch for patterns of, of not moving quite right, not not running quite right or kicking just right or, or batting just right. And if there's a bad pattern, a bad habit, they try to switch it so that that individual can set a new pattern. And here he's saying to you and I in our lives, he says, I want you to show yourself a pattern of good works. You look at your life and you say to yourself, my faith has, sh has shaped me. Now, what is the pattern I'm setting in the good works that I should do? Listen to what he goes on to say here. He says, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works 
in doctrine, which means truth, showing uncorruptness. In other words, knowing what you believe and why you believe it and holding to it because it's truth. Gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. We live in a day and age today where people believe whatever blows down the pike, whatever pops up on the internet, because we know if it's on the internet, it has to be true. The reality is we need to know what is truth because we take the time to search and understand. He tells us, set a pattern of even your speech, sound speech. Our culture, our society today has gone off the deep end in swearing and cursing. It should not be who we are. It should be that God helps us to step back and have sound speech, good speech. You should know how to communicate without constantly swearing. When I was a kid, they told us, if you swear all the time, it's because you just don't have very large of a vocabulary. That's what they used to tell us. Now, I don't know. Maybe today they study to expand their, their vocabulary into the whole curse word thing. But I can't even go through the news anymore without hearing people swearing and cursing. But you know, when you look at this, he tells us. He says, set a pattern for yourself. I worked in machine shops for 16 years before I was a full-time pastor. I've heard it all. I grew up in a home where my dad was a, a foreman for a construction company. Listen, I've heard it all. But I changed my pattern when I came to Christ. I changed that pattern of thought and speech. And here we find he's challenging us. If you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow in your love for God and others, he says, start expanding that pattern in your life to be something that is of good works. Titus continues on in that. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 14. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. You and I, a people set aside by God, zealous of good works. This week, as our, our missions team was down in Arizona working with Brother Ken Norris in, on the Navajo Reservation, <clears throat> they worked on many different things. And next Sunday night, we're going to show you pictures of things, projects they worked on two different churches. And as I, I was texting with uh, Jesse Norris, whose son Levi is on the missions trip, and it showed um, Zach and Levi and um, Carter all standing beside a brand new water fountain they installed in the church down there. And they're all like this in the picture and the whole deal. And so I texted Jesse and I said, hey, Levi looks like he's having a good time. She texted back. She said, he's worked so hard this week. He's a teenager. Not many teenagers really set out to work hard in some strange place for people they do not know. But he did. Zealous of good work. Why? Because he wanted to. Because he wanted to do it for the Lord. Wanted to do it for that church there. 
You and I in our lives, God tells us, he says, if you want to grow, become zealous of good works. It's what God has called you to do. Titus chapter three, verse eight, he touches again on this subject. He says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. It's part of who we are. Maintenance is a real part of life, isn't it? He says, maintain good works. Maintaining means that you do it, you care for it and you do it again and you care for it and you do it again. We have farmers in our church that have big pieces of equipment. Those things don't keep running if you don't keep them running. If you just put them in the back field and you leave it there in five years, expect to go start it back up, probably not. They have to maintain its use. They've got to go out there, get the thing started, keep the oils changed, the fluids changed, make sure all the seals are good, on and on and on, in order to keep it going all the time. You and I in our lives, he says, we need to maintain good works. It's something that we do regularly. It's something that we make sure it's done right and that it's cared for to do again. He's challenging us. Let's look at the last one in Titus chapter 3, verse 14. He touches on it again. He says, and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. In order for us to be fruitful in our lives, we have to do those things which are good. Those things which are right. We've all lived long enough to see the outcome of the opposite side of good works. The Bible teaches us that whatsoever we sow, that shall we also reap. I gave you the illustration of here last year, we, over at the staff house, we planted grass uh, along a new sidewalk over there at the staff house. And the thing grew the worst weeds I've ever seen. What, what a patch of weeds. It was the most amazing thing. I expected to see grass. We got the most exotic weed patch I'd ever seen in my life. Now, what happened? I don't know. At the factory, somebody thought, wouldn't it be funny if we sent, you know, all the weed seeds that we had separated here? Let's send a whole bag of weed seed out there. So we had sowed the seed. We raked it in. We watered it and fertilized it. And I mean, we got a bumper crop of weeds. What we sowed, we reaped. It's the same thing with good works. If we do good things, we reap good things. But if we sow bad things, bad things come our way. So as we look in this text, he's challenging us to grow in our faith. James chapter 1 verse 17 tells us in the scriptures that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You and I in our lives, if we want to grow in our faith and our love for God and our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to look into the scriptures and take these things to heart. Pray for one another. There are genuine and sincere needs, not just in our church family, but around the world. 
God needs to hear from you. It's not that he's not aware of those things. He is aware. But he's called us to prayer. He wants us to be engaged, connected, prayerful about the things going on here and around the world. We need to practice our love and faith. Understand the definition of it. Understand the application of it, even as God has shown, and how we ourselves should practice it. And good works should be a part of who you are. Who, it should be a part of who I am. It should be that we look for the opportunity to practice it, to model our walk with it. Because it reflects God himself. So as we look in these verses, we find God challenging us. Don't be satisfied to just coast along. Years ago, when my children were small, my, my uh, daughter was in the elementary school. And she came home with like a B minus on her report card. And Sandra Joe and I, it was on a particular subject. She should have got an A. There should have been no problem. <laughs> and I know some of you are going to think, boy, you were hard. Well, I don't know. But we went down to talk to the teacher and say, well, you know, I'm a little perplexed. She loves this subject. She does so well. You know, she got a B minus. And what can we do to help her get an A? And the teacher looked at Sandra Joe and said, and me, I was there too, said, she got the highest grade in the class. What's it matter? Well, it mattered because we wanted her to do the best she had the potential to do. It's not a matter of that we wanted her to just skate by. We wanted her to be satisfied to know that she did the best she could. And I kind of look at life that way. I don't want to look and think to myself, well, you know what? It's good enough. I want it to be the best it can be in each of our lives. And that's what God wants from us. He wants our faith and our love for him and others to be the best it can be. But we have to decide, don't we? Would you dismiss us in prayer, Kurt? Lord, I thank you for this, this morning as we gather in your house and as pastor preaches and I ask that you to be with him as he uh, heals from his cold and uh, be with others, Lord, that we know uh, as patients in the hospital and others are, are struggling with their health, Lord. We look to you as a great physician to heal them up and bring them back to us. I ask that as we go our way, we would be bold in our witness, that we would reach our family and our friends for you. And I just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.